All right. So if, if we can be honest with ourselves and with each other this morning, have you ever looked at someone um, that, that you may have never met before, may have never even talked to before, uh, or maybe just not spent that much time around, and you've made kind of like subtle assumptions of what they're like? You know, this, this person's probably just like, you know, you know. Uh, or, you know, maybe your whole view of someone is entirely based on what people said about them, like through the grapevine, whether those things are true or false about the person. But when you actually get to know the person, like, oh, this dude's pretty cool, you know? Like, my assumptions were wrong. Um, and as you get to know them, you, you get to see who they, who they truly are. Um, as I actually caught myself, it's funny how the Lord does this, I caught myself doing it this morning on my drive here. Um, I was driving over here, and I was following a car with one of those Ohio license plates that you get when you, like, drunk, drive drunk, like, five times or something, or get it, like, DUI. And the flesh in me, for a second, was like, oh, man. Like, what about this guy? Like, that's, that, that defines him. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know this guy. I don't know what he's like. I don't know what he's gone through. Like, I can't judge this guy. I can't make assumptions about his character. But these assumptions that we do, I, I think this carries over to our relationship with God so much of the time. And in this, it, it develops sometimes an incorrect or clouded or skewed view of God and his heart. And I believe that all of our issues and struggles and problems in our faith and our relationship with God are based in an incorrect view of God that, that we may think is perfectly correct, but it's, it's not. It's been a deception. So this morning particularly, I, I just really want the Lord to, to reveal a certain aspect of his heart to us. Um, and I, I'm excited for this. God's put this on my heart for the last few months um, and really confirmed it recently. And, and I believe that as we get to, to see the heart of God more, then really our own lives um, and life around us will become more clear as well. So with that said, we're going to jump into the scripture. It's a long scripture, but bear with me. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter, the end of chapter 13 and some of 14. It'll be, it'll be up here. And even before reading this, this is, this is the Old Testament. You know, at times for me, I was like, oh, Old Testament, like, run away. Like, it's, Old Testament's scary. Um, but I just want to give, give you some context. So the, Isra- the Israelites here are the holy people of God. They were like the OG people of God, right, uh, prior to Jesus. Uh, the Egyptians are the bad guys. Yeah, just pretty much bad guys. So the, um, given context, the Israelites had been enslaved and mistreated in Egypt for about 430 years at this point. Long time. Um, and so prior to this, before, in, in Exodus, um, God has already delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, out of this oppression, out of the, uh, the enslavement. Um, with his power and his strength and his sovereignty, um, sovereignty being just his, his authority over creation, his authority over us. Um, and with some names you'll be familiar with in here, so God appointed a guy named Moses and his brother Aaron um, to lead the Israelites in this. Um, so given that, let's jump into here. 
By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Harath, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Harath, opposite Balzaphon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving, and Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. So that's a marathon, right? Um, But I chose that 28 
to 30 verses of scripture because I feel like there's just so much in that that we need um, for, for this today. And I, I want to pull a couple themes out of this. Um, and that, that very first theme um, is that God's heart and God's will for us is that we would be free. And that's, that's what I want to talk about today is, is us being free, freedom, right? Um, God's kind of funny. He kind of paired it close to Independence Day, freedom. Um, it fits. So um, basically we have this. God wants us to be free and not, not just, yeah, be free, but like a fullness of freedom um, in, in this life. Um, and we can see here that, that God was aware of the oppression of his people. The, these Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. God delivers them out of that. They're, they're walking free. Here, comes the, here come the Egyptians again to come and capture them. God is aware of that again, and again God frees the, the Israelites, his people. And, and you can see in this so clearly that God is leading his people to freedom. So, so in, in this passage, the Israelites are under just severe physical um, enslavement right now. They they were under very intense physical labor. Um, they had to make, make bricks without straw, which at the time was almost impossible. Um, that would be like trying to make concrete without the steel rods through the middle. They would just go everywhere. Um, and Pharaoh issued a decree for these Israelites. This is, this, there are people in the Bible that are just so horrible that he issued, Pharaoh issued a decree that every boy born to the Israelites, they would take him and they would just launch them into the Nile River. The boy would immediately drown and die. Pharaoh was seeking to just wipe out the Israelites. You can see this through history, right? That people being tried, or um, peop, a person trying to wipe out another race of people, right? Pharaoh and the Israelites. Uh, Nazi Germany um, and again, the Jews, right? It, it's just happened. It's happened multiple times in history. And for us today, we're not, we're not experiencing that. Um, we're not, we're not if experiencing that, that physical oppression. Um, but we still get to experience the power of God in, the, in his liberation that he can bring. So for us, it, it's, it's more spiritual, right? That, that we have been freed from the Mosaic law, okay? So I don't want to talk about freedom. Like, well, what are we free from, you know? Um, it, and it's, it's this Mosaic law, which, which said that, that you have to be good enough. You have to abide by these to, to come to me. You have to be good enough on your own. You, ha- you have to earn my love, earn my favor, earn my acceptance, earn my blessing. In a way, you, you have to bribe me to give you good things. You have to convince me you're good enough. That, 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 that's the Mosaic law. And, and that's not the covenant we're under at all. But we, this, is, this is actually what we have been freed from. We're going to get more into that here in a little bit. But I want this theme that, that God desires and God's will, God's heart, is for our freedom to really just sink in. For us to know it, to remember it, to wake up in the morning and know God wants me to be free. God wants me to live in freedom. Because I, I think referring back to that, anolo- that analogy of making assumptions, that somewhere in this line that the enemies come in and he's convinced us that 
being a child of God or a follower of Jesus is actually an oppressive life. And that's not true. The, the, the enemy has tried to convince us that, that a life given to Jesus steals our joy, steals our fun, steals our life, steals our whatever. It even steals our freedom. But this is totally, totally wrong. I know I have struggled with this. There's been times where I have just prayed to God, like, God, I am tired of you restricting me. I'm tired of it. I don't want to follow Jesus anymore because I want to do what I want to do. And it's in that moment where I'm sure God's like, yeah, I'm, I'm for your freedom too. Like, I'm not, I'm not oppressing you, but this is just a deception from the enemy. But I think that the enemy just sends us through an emotional roller coaster and, and a deception. But it's, it is vital that our truth comes from the Father, not from ourselves, not from our experiences, not from our feelings or our emotions. And in that, it's, it's, it's essential that our source of truth comes from Scripture, not our experience, not our emotions. Now, our experiences and our emotions and our feelings can supplement the Scripture. That they, they can help support that Scripture, but they cannot be taken by themselves. You know, there, there are denominations that have skewed, to what, skewed away that in their theology, they include your, feel, like your feelings and your experiences as truth. And that is what, that's what's led them down, where the good and godly theology, that they're all the way over here. Because at that point, how, how can you trust it? It's going to change. But Scripture doesn't change. So, so with that, you know, our, our truth coming from, from the Father, our Heavenly Father. So my earthly dad sitting over there. You should say hi to him afterwards. Um, if you hear us talk, well, you wouldn't be able to distinguish our voices probably. Um, so my dad did an awesome job of being a father figure in my life, as well as my mother at being a mother figure. Uh, but, but as I was preparing this sermon, um, I, I thought of something that my dad does. So <laughs> it makes me laugh a little bit. When my, when my dad once myself or my sisters, to know something or to remember something, he repeats it often. He'll, he'll say it 10 times in five minutes. You know, you're walking out the door, and <laughs> I'll, I'll be walking down the stairs, he'll say, I'll be walking on the sidewalk, he'll say, I get, get in my car, he'll say it. It's not because he forgets, but he just knows that if he keeps saying it, I, there's no way, as hard as my head might be sometimes, that that cannot get in. Because he just, it just is ingrained in my head what he said. And it's funny, because I found out, this is cool, that God does the same thing. My Heavenly Father does the same thing. And this is relating to this, this concept that God's heart is actually for our freedom and not for oppression. That, th- that this is the truth explicitly straight up, okay? So, I told you about my earthly dad. Now, let's look at, uh, like, the heavenly daddy's book now. Luke 4, 18 through 19. This is Jesus. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Okay, John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth and the, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. James 1, 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have done or what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Spirit of the Lord, or sorry, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Who's trying to tell me that a life with Jesus is oppressed? Set the oppressed free. Truth will set you free. Son sets you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Perfect law that gives freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Bam, 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 bam. So I, I, if you ever get attacked from the enemy saying your life's oppressed, be like, uh-uh. Give me, give me John 8, 32, 8, 36, Galatians 5, 1, all those. Um, it's true. That, that is the scripture. That is truth. Straight up. Period. That God is for your freedom. And <laughs> this is scriptural truth. Straight up. God's desire for you is to be free. So with that, we know what? What, what have you learned so far today? We're free. We're free. There you go. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great. So, with that, I want us to, I want us to dive back into to Exodus. We're not going to read 30, 30 verses this time. Um, we're going to break it down a little bit. So, in the last couple of verses, in chapter 13, um, it says this. By day the Lord went ahead of them, them being the Israelites, in a pillar of clouds to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left this place in front of the people. So quite some time before this, just to give it a little more context, um, God made a promise to, to Abraham. And he said that he would deliver Abraham's family, which if you look in the genealogy, is the Israelites. Um, um, that he would deliver his people into this, this land called Canaan. Uh, or Canaan. Um, so when the Israelites are released out of Egypt, um, God starts leading them to Canaan, right? And they're in, the, they're in the desert, right? And this is a long time ago. This is more than 2,000 years ago. I don't know how long, but a long time ago. Um, so they didn't have any technology, right? So in this, the Israelites are given like this divine GPS system, Right? They have this huge cloud or this huge fire just kind of like marching, um, leading them as they march through the desert. Um, and it's in this very next verse, which I believe is the first verse in chapter 14. It says that the Lord commanded Moses to tell the Israelites to camp near Piharoth between Migdal and the sea. Okay? So God, God is explicitly, is it up there? I don't know. But that's what he says. Um, to camp 
right beside Migdal in the sea. And this is exactly what they did. They set up camp right there. And at this time, the Israelites had no clue that there was a charging Egyptian army coming for them. They had no clue, but they were coming. And so let's jump down to verse 10 in, chap- in uh, chapter 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, which is the Egyptian army, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, those are the Egyptians being terrified. So I just think of this, what's going on here in this situation, right? The Israelites are marching. God's like, hey, go camp by the sea, right? And God's like, all right, yeah. You know, Israelites free. They're walking through the desert, guided by this divine GPS thing. Um, and then they get like a seaside resort, right? The Israelites are there. It's like, oh, yeah, I got my beach, beach spot by the sea, just chilling. Like, don't have to deal with the Egyptians anymore. It's like, Moses, you were the man. Like, you let us out of there. You are sweet. And then they're all there. And then they look, and here comes the Egyptian army coming after them. It's over 600 chariots. And when they see this, the, the Israelites go bonkers right? They're like, Moses, like, you suck. Like, where, where have you brought us? Why did you bring us to the desert? Um, and they're, they're just freaking out totally. And they, and they even ask, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? We are doomed. We are trapped. Because again, where, where they were between Megdal and the sea, so the Israelites are here. They have the sea to their backs, and they have the Egyptian army to, in front of them. What do you do? Right? You can't outrun the Egyptian army. They're in horses and chariots. Right? They, they, can't, um, they can't swim across the sea because it's a sea. Um, so they, they are in this place where they are just totally trapped. But what's interesting is if we go back, we see that this is actually exactly where God told them to camp. This is exactly where the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire told them to go. So the Israelites think they are just doomed. But this is where God wanted them to be. And, and you know, God didn't, God didn't lead them to this sea and go, hmm, I, I don't remember creating this sea and putting it there. Like, we must have made a wrong turn. Uh, he, he didn't say that at all. He knew the whole time exactly where he was leading the Israelites. And God led the Israelites to this place where they were so powerless and they were so unable to do anything to escape that God wanted to reveal to them that only he could provide freedom for them. That in no shape or form did they free themselves from Egypt. And this is such a powerful truth for the Israelites then and for us today that only he can free us. Only he can provide that freedom. Because at this time, the Israelites were in a place of total and complete desperation. They were at their end. If, If God doesn't come through, they die. And what does God do here? See, it's in this moment where God says, hey, Moses, I want you to go raise your staff and your hand across the sea. 
Watch me provide a way. Watch me reveal my glory. Watch me reveal how much I love you. Watch me reveal who the Lord is. Because the Egyptians, as we go back, the Egyptians, they worshipped all kinds of gods. The gods of the Nile, the gods of the crops, the gods of the cattle, all this stuff. And, and really, like little g God, they're fake gods. Fake gods. So in this, not only to the Israelites, but to the Egyptians, God reveals, I am the Lord your God, and I am the God. So again, going back to that, God says, hey Moses, go raise your staff in your hand. Watch me uh, provide a way. And so, so Moses goes to do exactly this, and I can just imagine that with each step, Moses' heart is pounding harder and harder and harder. It's like, what's going to happen? Like, God has to provide or we're done. Like, how am I going to lead these people? But Moses was a man of faith because when those Israelites were freaking out, he said, don't be afraid. Today you're going to see the deliverance that you won't see the Egyptians ever again. He said, basically be calm and let the Lord fight for you. Be still. Let the Lord fight for you. So Moses gets to the sea and raises his arms. And at that moment, this strong east wind comes. And at that moment, the sea begins to part. Right? And, and, and for those of you who love apologetics, they have found the Egyptian chariots at the bottom of the sea. There's these algae formations that they say, like marine biologists, like they don't grow that way. They're, they're at right angles, which is an axle and a wheel for the Egyptian chariots at the, at the place that they think that they passed. So those of you who love apologetics, this is a real story. This actually happened. And then they proved, they went to that sea, and they proved that if a wind of 70 miles an hour was blowing, that this would have happened. And this is what happens. Moses raises his hands, and the sea slowly begins to part. Right? This... God turns this hopeless situation. And here, when there was no way, God provides the way. This, this dry ground opens for the Israelites, and this way is formed. And Moses did not have the power to do that. And if he had a little bucket, he could probably just try to get as much water out of the way, but that's a lot of water if it's a seed. This was totally the hand of God. And in this, God was confirming both to the Israelites and to us today that I am the only way for your freedom, exclusively. You know, as humans in a fallen world today, let's fast forward to today, there are so many places we try to find freedom. In friendships and relationships, their gift, they won't free you. Alcohol, sexual activity, drugs, Sleep, Netflix, no, they won't provide freedom. You know, the, these things, they may, they may seem like they provide freedom for a moment, but the moment you sober up, the moment that is over, where are you left with? You're back to where you started. It's not a lasting freedom. It, it's not real freedom at all. It's just a deception. And we try these burdens and stresses and worries and anxieties. We try to, to get a place of freedom in so many other places except Christ. And it just doesn't work. 
It just does not work. And what I really want some of us to focus on today is that in, in sources of instant gratification, such as sexual activity, alcohol, drugs, that kind of stuff, that isn't the only place that we try to find freedom, try to find release. And I, I know that some of you may, may not even know that this is what you do, but God had to convict me of this. This is a very deep struggle for me. So I'm preaching to myself this morning too. That we try to still use the Mosaic law to gain freedom. Which means that you're trying to gain freedom by being good enough yourself exclusively. You may conceptually know that Jesus is the way to salvation. And I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that at all. Don't freak out. But I think that the freedom that so many of us don't live in it. It's ours, but we, we don't know. We have a gift and we put it to the side. So we're still trying to use the law to gain our freedom. What's, what's that look like? When I get rid of the sin, I'll be free. When I go to church more, I'll be free. When I read scripture more, I'll be free. Am I free right now? Oh, no. I got this, this, and this, and this, and this. But when you say, I have this, 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 and this, you're saying, this is how I don't fulfill the Mosaic law. So, yep. So you, you try to use the Mosaic law, but you confess that you can't use the Mosaic law to gain freedom. It's impossible. And in that you are striving to gain the freedom and love and care and blessing and acceptance from God on your own. The thing is, it's already ours to rest in. And this, this is a point that I want us to take seriously because when we go and we, 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 try, we try to strive for our freedom, we try to use the Mosaic Law, this is actually offending and mocking Christ Jesus. He said, Christ, I don't need you. I'll do it myself. That's what we're doing. You see, God, it's not just a, oh, here's freedom if you want it. If you don't, all right. That's not what God does at all. God is passionate about your freedom. And when God is passionate about something, he is passionate, man. God's passion, I want you to know what God's passion looks like for our freedom. God's passion looks like a king laying down his glory, laying down his power, his kingship, his comfort in a throne in heaven. Let's go down. I'm going down. To, and this king, this king of kings and lord of lords, being born as an infant, needing nurtured and cared for just like the rest of us would. When the, this king that created birth, created us, goes into it, needing nurtured, needing taught, needing cared for. 
a king who gave up his ability to not be tempted. Scripture says that God is not able to be tempted, and we find in Matthew that the devil tempts Jesus. Jesus gave up his ability not to be tempted for you. But in those temptations, and Scripture says in Hebrews that Jesus suffered every time he was tempted. And Jesus never submitted to those temptations. He never gave in to those temptations. But yet, at the same time, he goes and he dies for those who gave in to the temptations. Perfectly innocent. And I was curious one day, the nails that held Jesus on the cross were a little bit bigger than this. And I was curious yesterday, look at this. Can you imagine if this was really going through my wrist right now, what this would be like? A rusty old nail driven through the the wrist of someone completely innocent. That is God's passion for you. That that is God's passion for this. And this is why we, we cannot use the Mosaic Law to do it. And for you today, I want you to call out what part of the Mosaic law you're using, because all of us use it in some sense or another. God will love me, and my relationship will be good with God if I read the Bible more, if I do this more, if I serve more, if I evangelize more, if I read the Bible more, if I don't struggle with this sin anymore, then I'll be free. But Christ says, no. He said, when I'm here, he said, it is finished, you are free. Because when it comes to our freedom and God's love for us, so much of the time we get stuck in a when-I mentality when it is a because-he reality. Let me say that again. When it comes to our freedom and God's love for us, so much of the time we get stuck in a when-I mentality when it is meant to be a because-he reality. This is, and if, if you listen to those words, when I do this, when I do this, when I do this, when I get rid of sin, when I go to church more, when I read my Bible more, where is Jesus in that? Why don't we say, oh yeah, because Jesus died and rose again and he's living right now, I'm free. Because this when I mentality is an endless and a vicious cycle, man. This is is striving. This is what striving is. It's trying to use the Mosaic Law. And and when when we're in that when-I mentality, we're just running, and we're 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 running, and we don't get free. Because it's a thing. Okay, you may overcome this sin. The next thing comes. Okay, when I get when I get rid of this. Oh, got rid of that. Oh, when I get rid of this. Oh, when I get rid of that. When I get rid of this. If we take us back to Exodus, this would just be like the Israelites running back and forth, surrounded by the Egyptian army, with the sea on them, and they're just running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You get exhausted spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And of course we use this instant gratification to silence that because it hurts. It sucks. We're tired. It is in the because he reality that there is freedom for you. 
And this morning, if you hear nothing else right now, I want you to know that your freedom is not based on anything you've done or will do. But looking at this story in Exodus and seeing that when the the Israelites were in this place of desperation, that God showed them that only he could deliver them, only he could free them. And I want you to ask yourself if today you feel trapped between the sea and the army, a, a charging enemy. Maybe it's a sin addiction for you. You know, maybe it's salvation. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you, know, you don't know who God is. You don't know what's going on right now. If I could say anything to you, I'd say stop running. Moses says these words, be still and let the Lord fight for you. And you even see the Egyptians. So for us today, the Egyptians are like the demons, the enemy for us, charging us, pursuing us, enslaving us. You see, even Egyptians say, guys, the Lord is fighting for them. Let's get out of here. We can't stop them anymore. And, and when the Lord frees you from something, the, the Egyptians didn't get out of that sea. The Lord crushes your oppressors. The Lord comes over you with singing. He says, get away from my people. Because they are free people. And a a final theme that I want to take from this story is that when God makes this way for the Israelites, we have this situation. The the charging army is still coming, but we have this huge gap like this. Walls, walls of water on the left and right, says in Scripture. So if the Israelites just stand there, like, hmm, yeah, it's a, it's a way of freedom. It's a nice way. They're going to get trapped if they don't go, right? So they're standing there, and then you, you see, in, in some other words, God's like, he's like, don't cry out to me anymore. You're like, go, you know, he's like, go. Uh, so then the Israelites are just running through, running through this, th- this parted sea for them. And the Egyptians go in after them. All the Israelites get out, the waters come back onto the Egyptians. But you see, the Israelites had to actively choose that way of freedom. They had to choose to walk in that. Right? They had to choose to trust God. Walls of water on their left and right, that's probably kind of a scary situation. But they had to trust that God was going to hold those walls strong while they went through. I think that's us, us today, that our walls, may, we think our walls are going to crash down if we trust God. That we're going to be by ourselves. That's not true. If you commit a sin, walk in freedom. If, if life is in, insanely difficult for you right now, walk in freedom. So I want you to take away from today that you are free. And, and through Christ, this is an invitation for your freedom. Total and complete freedom. 
Freedom from shame. Freedom from having to strive. Freedom from ungodly guilt. Freedom from the, the bondage of sin. Freedom from anything this life can throw at you. You are a free child of God if you're in Jesus. So choose freedom this morning. Quit running. And I want you to see what kind of way God will make for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are our provision. God, thank you that you are passionate about our freedom. God, that we are called to be free. And, and we, can live, we can live from a place of freedom and not for freedom. That we can live as free people, as victorious people, and not striving, not being good enough on our own for our freedom. God, help us rest in that truth. God, help us rest in you. Slow us down, God. Open our eyes. And today and every day, God, let us glorify you by simply walking in the freedom that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen.